0: Welcome to The Trenches, I'm Sam Mays. For those who don't know, I'm a former Oklahoma State All-American and uh, former radio host. I did about 20 years in Oklahoma City and the uh, great city of Tulsa. Joining me today, we have Mr. John Hoover, the publisher of All Sooners, and my former co-host in the Hoover and May shows there in T-Town. John, how are you, sir? Man, I'm doing great. I'm so excited that football
1: season is already a week old. One twelfth of the season is already behind us. <laughs> We've got eleven more games to uh, plus championships plus bowl games. How fantastic is it that we get to cover college football? This is twenty twenty three, man. It's an, just an incredible feeling.
0: Yeah, there's no question about it, John. Since you and I met when I was eighteen years old at Oklahoma State as a as a freshman, the college game has changed significantly, and the conversation is oh. just being had around the country, right? I mean, it's wow. 365, 24-7. When you add NIL and the transfer portal to it, it's just a modern-day soap opera, and it's absolutely incredible to, to watch. Yeah,
1: when I w- started at the Tulsa World a uh, million years ago, no, 1,000 years ago, 1992, uh, we used to get a, a little one-paragraph um, fax from each school, OU, OSU, Tulsa, Arkansas. And it would be from the sports information director. Here is what happened at today's practice. We called it the, I don't know why, this n- name never made any sense to me, but we called it the OU trainer, the OSU trainer. And it was basically one paragraph from your guy, Steve Buzzard, saying, Coach, enjoyed Coach, uh, you know, uh, Bob Simmons enjoyed a spirited practice today at Stillwater in the stadium for two hours. They ran 140 plays and they practiced and it was hot and Coach said this and There were no injuries to report. That was all the coverage, Sam, that we had (laughs) for the day, for the entire day. And if you wanted something special, you had to get the car, and you had to drive to Stillwater, you had to drive to Norman or go down to 11th and Harvard and ask the coach yourself. you, You had to ask him yourself your own questions, and he would more than likely meet you after practice any day of the week. This is back in the day, man. So, uh, yeah, to say that uh, all Sooners, we've got six stories up before noon on most days throughout the week. Um, it's changed. It's changed quite a bit.
0: Yeah. You know, you talk about the, the term fanatic. And I mean, it just seems like every college football fan is exactly that. There's no casual college football fans, right? Everybody is just a <laughs> lunatic about it. And, I, and you got to love it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's as intense as you're going to get in any sport. And uh, I'm proud to, to cover it. I'm proud that I played the game. And it's been just incredible watching it grow over the last 20 years. Um, all right, John, let's dive into it. Oklahoma, SMU, I go back to week one, and I saw a Sooner team take the field probably in a better form than maybe I have in the last 10 years. Um, are they as talented as some of the teams that we've seen in the last decade with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and all that group? I don't know that that the answer to that question is yes, but I will say as far as the focus, the attitude, the intent in week number one, it was all there, and they decimated all against an opponent that they should have beat the hell out of, and that's exactly what they did. You and I know we've seen Oklahoma in the last 10 years take the game in week number one and look like they didn't want to be there or that they uh, didn't respect the opponent that they played. I saw a a competent, collected, educated, direct, intense – and committed football team against uh, Arkansas State.
1: Yeah, I agree, Sam, to a degree that we, we've we seen one game and we don't know what's next. Um, but I completely agree with what you're saying. I, I raised that question today on Chris Plank's show. Uh, was uh, Did what we see reflect it, – it, did what we see, is it going to be reflected this week against SMU, right. against an inferior opponent? Or are we going to see it next week against an inferior opponent at Tulsa? But for the most part i think you're right i think you're spot on i saw a a focused intensity on the field i saw an aggressiveness by the defense um uh, you know and that's not something that aggressiveness by the defense is not something that we've always gotten to see obviously over the last 10 years or so by an oklahoma football team those guys wanted that shutout they they achieved the shutout early by not allowing any yards and not you know avoiding a couple of field goals that should have been made and things like that then you start to realize as a defense hey we can shut these dudes out that's when it became that next level they started playing with even more intensity and and look at look at what they've added sam so many transfer portal guys reggie pearson what does he do comes from texas tech played at wisconsin he comes out and lays the wood to the quarterback a full yard out of bounds he said he told (laughs) us on monday I've had a quarterback juke me before thinking that I was going to not hit him out of bounds, and he juked me, stayed in bounds, and went for a touchdown. So I wasn't going to let that happen again. That's the kind of mentality that hasn't been present on defense at Oklahoma a lot over the last 10 years or so. More transfers, Rondell Bothroyd. Just, I mean, name your guy, name your position. There's a transfer somewhere who's played defense somewhere else who came into Oklahoma and said, this is how I play defense.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Those guys really did shine uh, in week number one and, and headed to week number two. The expectation is probably more the same, correct? I mean, SMU, uh, yeah. what I would call an inferior uh, uh, opponent, you know, they've, they've had some success here in the last 10 years. But this is not the team uh, that Oklahoma is going to play that should challenge him in any way, shape or form. The goal would be able to see the Sooners just route them like they did in week number one
1: yeah when you talk about there's a, there's a couple of guys in particular sam who uh play for smu who committed at one point in their high school careers committed to play at ou and they ended up flipping kamar wheaton running back went to alabama and now he's at smu uh jordan hudson from st louis he ends up at smu uh jordan hudson caught a 67 yard touchdown last week or i don't know if it was a touchdown he scored a touchdown had a 67 yard reception uh, SMU is doing a fantastic job. Um, I'll give you another example. I think it was, uh, uh, Savion Bird, you know, your favorite left guard, right? He's, uh, number 59 in your program, number one in your heart, I'm sure. <laughs> He's a guy that he was, when he, when he came to Oklahoma with the, uh, the, the Caleb Williams production, when the, he brought all those recruits in during the pandemic, um, Savion told me my recruiting is down to Oklahoma and SMU. What? Where did that come from? So now you're right. seeing a, an SMU team program that's transitioning to the ACC next year. Uh, pretty exciting times for those guys, but they're going to have they're going to have to upgrade the roster, like a lot, like Houston, like Cincinnati, like UCF, like BYU in the Big Twelve. They're going to have to upgrade the roster. They're going to have to upgrade the facilities. They're going to have to grow the stadium. Uh, just upgrade the program overall. That's in the future. What this team does, this team now is realizing, okay. Things are serious. We got some guys here. We got some dudes. Um, you saw the, the job done by the previous coaching staff. Just incredible. And now Rhett Lashley goes into year two, and, and he's looking to kind of continue that momentum.
0: I will. Uh, John, I'm pretty sure the last time you and I were in Dallas at an SMU game, we were together as Josh Fields and Rashawn Woods uh, broke almost every Big 12 record there was to be had. And I will never forget the chant from the student section of, it's all right. It's okay. You're gonna pump our gas one day. That was the uh, that was the chant from the SMU student section. So I, in particular, appreciate uh, when someone sticks their foot up SMU's ass. I'm here for that. Please, please do that this weekend, uh, Oklahoma for sure. Um, real quick, as far as Your some shot position groups, seven
1: touchdowns. Is that right? Oh yeah, seven it was crazy. Pads, still yes. an NCAA I, record.
0: I was. That's probably the maddest I have ever been after a game honestly, because if you remember that two weeks prior to that, Tatum Bell was like third in the nation in rushing, right? We had just yeah. grounded and pounded our first two opponents. We were feeling great about the, the running game. Uh, we had one of the country's top 15 offensive lines with those, those guys I was lining up next to. And, you know, our goal was to really set the tone on the ground. And I remember saying in the, in the media that week that we were just going to run for run all over. them. Right. And that's what I've truly felt <laughs> that way. And, John, I, I remember leaving the field after the first series, and my, my old coach, uh, Chuck Muller, looked at me. And he says, what is wrong? And I looked at him, and I said, Coach, there were nine dudes in the box. And he's like, what are you talking about? You know, this is not this is when we didn't have iPads, and it wasn't like this instant you know, reaction coming from the press box down to the field. And I was like, I'm not kidding you. The whole entire team is in the box. Like, the numbers just don't make any sense. We cannot run the football on them. And the middle linebacker, I can't remember the kid's name, is just running his mouth the whole time. I told you you weren't going to run the ball on us. I told you you weren't going to run it. And I'm like, dude, are you watching the scoreboard? It's like a its like a slot machine. Like, we just keep scoring. And and they just kept goating me and goating me. And being. I was just pissed by the end of the game that we weren't able to run the ball. Uh, I'll never forget that game. It was, it was insane. I was exhausted just from running the sprints up and down the field, like chasing Rashawn on these long touchdown runs. Like, it was – I bet you I ran two miles in that game just in celebration runs. It was crazy. Do you remember the
1: the defensive coordinator for SMU that game?
0: I do not, but he sold his soul to the devil.
1: (laughs) He said, we're going to ISO these two corners on these two wide receivers. You had a really good receiver, John Lewis, was it?
0: Yes, John Lewis, yep.
1: And Rashawn Woods on the other, a two-time All-American. Yeah, ridiculous. It was the dumbest thing I've ever ever seen.
0: Right, it's crazy. it was just ridiculous, and they just let us just beat the hell out of them. But it is what it <laughs> is. Um As far as position groups for the Sooners, real quick, that I want to hit that I was pretty impressed with. I think Dylan Gabriel has improved. Right, I think you and I last year on, on yeah. air talked quite a bit about how he at times looked just like a he looked like a good college quarterback, and considering what Oklahoma had had, you know, in the last five years or so, that was a bit of a turnoff for us right like we're just watching this kid who's decent play quarterback for the Sooners I saw a young man that looked to be the complete package uh this last week I, I loved his mid range ball he didn't have one last year super inconsistent in the middle of the field that 12 to 15 yard pass eluded him quite a bit last season he connected on a bunch of those the deep ball looked a little short at times but I think he figured it out in the second half started hitting some of those also I don't know you know if I, this is probably going to sound crazy to you but I don't know that Drake Stoops is not the best receiver on that team, honestly, as far as consistent route running and somebody that they want to try to get eight to ten touches a game, right? And because he just reminds me a lot of Hunter Renfro, right? The Clemson uh, receiver plays for the Vegas now. It's never going to break away from you. He's never going to make you look foolish athletically, but he's got great discipline in the way he runs routes. He's going to catch every ball thrown in his direction, and he's a true competitor. I like Stoops for sure.
1: Yeah, Stoops is fun to watch just because he competes so hard and he's such a student of the game, obviously. He's literally a coach on the field. He's got an upper-level knowledge of, of what the offense is doing, but not just what the offense is doing, what the defense is trying to do to react. He understands that stuff already before he ever steps out there. So it's fun to watch him. Uh, hopefully he's back from that shoulder. Uh, they called it a, a AC thing. I uh, don't know if it's a full separation or a tear of some kind um, something mild maybe, but he was trying to get back in the game. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of hope in Norman that he's going to be okay. Um, I asked Dylan Gabriel this question on Monday and I phrased it around going into this season. We looked at the receiver core and we were like, which one of these guys is going to lead the team in receiving, you know, after one game. And I asked Dylan this, which one of these guys is going to lead the team in receiving you see the difference the the enthusiasm about holy crap you got like six or seven guys that could possibly right. be the leading receiver on this team. uh who knows whose it's going to be but yeah the, the receiver core has developed i think that's largely due to the coaching of Emmett jones um, they got a real wide receivers coach this year no knock against the Damian. He's going to be a great uh, coach at some point. The Damian Washington last year was a guy that stepped in for them, right? At some point, stepped in at the last minute for for uh, Kale Gundy when Kale had to leave the team. Uh, he was an un- unfinished product as a coach, a very young coach, right out of playing, doesn't have all the techniques and things down. You transition to Emmett Jones and Emmett Jones, those guys, you talk to those players, those receivers, and they're like, oh my gosh, Coach Jones has taken us to another level. So. That's huge. And then the Dylan, the, the remark you made about Dylan at times last year, he looked like a good uh, college quarterback. There were times last year where he didn't look like a good high school quarterback when wow. he had the, yeah. the fourth and I'm just fourth and four. I think it was fourth and six, whatever. And they go for it and they drop one to Drake Stoops, drop a check down to Drake Stoops and he throws it three feet over his head. And you're like, how did you miss it that bad? Well, his, his footwork was occasionally bad his mechanics would fail him he would be thinking too much and processing too much and get too excited too much and just make a terrible throw and you're and so i didn't see that didn't see anything resembling that not one time even his three incompletions two of which hit the guys in the hands but his other incompletion was not a terrible throw so i think he's really evolved his game i think he's really grown as a quarterback
0: how much is this is because of the uh situation at, at QB2 in Norman. Jackson Arnold yeah. 100% looked the part. And, you know, unlike, you know, go back a, a few years ago and, and Spencer Rattler was on campus and Caleb Williams basically pushed Spencer out of that starting position. I think what you've seen is a Dylan Gabriel really rise to the occasion knowing, you know, that a kid behind him has got the physical attributes to be a competitor right now. Like, if you told me that Jackson Arnold was the number one quarterback coming into this season for the Sooners, I wouldn't necessarily say that they were going to be Big 12 champions, but I also wouldn't say they were going to win six games either. That boy is physically ready for the show, has got a cannon for an arm. He's not scared of a thing. He looks like somebody's dad out there playing college football. I mean, he is he is formidable. There's no question about it, right? I mean, part of me, if if the Trenchell portal wasn't a thing, John, Right, let's let's have this conversation. Potential portal wasn't a thing, and Oklahoma didn't have to necessarily use that as a significant tool to continue to bolster their roster. Is Jackson Arnold maybe the starter going into your final year in the Big Twelve, looking at the SEC next year as a and as a coach having the mindset like, let me get this kid some work, right, in a conference that's not going to kill him defensively before I set them off into the wolves next year. Right. I mean, is that competition close enough that that conversation was being had because with the portal, you can't do it. Right. Because if you, if you take a kid who transferred in and you bench him his senior year, well, every transfer that's even considering Oklahoma is never going to consider them again. So that the politics of that prevent this from happening. Right. But I, I truly wonder if that situation wasn't what it was, would Arnold have pushed himself enough to really truly be the number one guy in in Norman?
1: Okay, so a couple of things to pull apart there. First of all, no, I don't think Jackson would be QB one if the transfer portal wasn't a thing. Uh, I do think Dylan saw what was happening, saw uh, the skills that he was dealing with as the backup QB, like, uh, holy cow, this kid's legit. I'm gonna have to get better. I'm gonna have to study harder work on my mechanics, work on my leadership, everything. I think Dylan got better with the intent of getting better. He didn't just get better by accident. He got better because he knew he had to get better. Um, And I think Dylan found out his true value to the team last year when the second half of the uh, TCU game, and, and then he ends up missing the Texas game, and Oklahoma's not even close to scoring a point during that stretch, right? So, 49 to nothing to Texas stirs a lot of feelings around here, obviously. For Dylan Gabriel, it stirred the feeling of, I'm I'm the best quarterback on campus. I'm the best quarterback in Norman. I'm the best quarterback here. I got nothing to worry about. Oh, Jackson Arnold's coming? Oh, okay. Not that he wasn't tra- uh, kind of trending that direction or on that trajectory to begin with, but I think that Jackson Arnold, seriously, legit, national Gatorade player of the year, high school player of the year in the state of Texas, Um, five-star this, five-star that. When he gets to campus, you better have improved your game if you're QB1.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's exactly what we saw Dylan Gabriel do uh, from last year to this year. I'm excited to see what he brings to the table. Oklahoma can stay healthy. I, I would have never told you prior to game number one that I could see Oklahoma as a, contender for this conference after last year was just miserable. I had no idea what the defense was going to look like. And they figured out after one game, they have my attention, at least, you know, it's just one game, obviously. And uh, we we got a whole lot of football to be played, but it it was a game that I didn't expect them to have. Honestly, I did not expect him to look as good as he did. I didn't expect that defense look as good as they did. I thought uh, across the board, they've improved.
1: Well, it's like Brett Venable said um, in the post-game press conference after after they win seventy-three to nothing, his one of his first comments was, "We've been playing football here for a long time, and and that's the biggest point differential in the season opener in over a hundred years, hundred and since nineteen seventeen, and they beat UCO back when UCO was Central State Teachers College. Uh, this is a what I'm getting at is there's been a lot of teams, a lot of elite, all-time type, national championship type." golden standard teams at Oklahoma. None of them have beaten their opening opponent 73 to nothing. We saw some history there. So that doesn't mean that this team's ready to play in the college football playoff. We're going to challenge Georgia, any of that. That's not what this means. What this means is this team might be better than we thought. Uh, When you look at the big 12 conference, just everybody's result from last Saturday or last week, everybody's result, take it all into totality. Tell me Oklahoma wasn't the best performance of of the entire Big 12 conference. I don't think that's a stretch.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's probably pretty accurate, honestly. I really do. I mean, I don't think there was another team that looked anywhere near as good uh, as they did across the board. Just as efficient as it gets, they didn't make mistakes. And once again, it was a four-quarter football game with purpose. Everybody that took the field was just dedicated to dominating Arkansas State which is just something you haven't seen out of Oklahoma in a long time. We're running out of time. I got to hit two more things before we get out of here. Oklahoma state. I know you didn't get a chance to see this, right? But let me, let me just get, let you know what my emotional state was on (laughs) Saturday night going into Sunday morning. You know, I love Oklahoma state. You know, I love my Cowboys, but John, I don't know what has been happening in Stillwater for the last six months. I don't know. Did was spring ball? Was this like a fake news scenario where they said they were doing spring ball, but they really weren't doing it? Um, have we seen some body snatcher stuff where the kids that we thought were going to be good <laughs> players have been replaced by guys that aren't? Is this like a, like a, they've had some sort of a walkout and they're trying to be slick and just replace them with normal student body. You could have told me that was Mrs. Stevens freaking algebra class out there in the offensive line. I would have believed it. Like it was just, about as miserable of a game as uh, you're going to get against an opponent that's an FCS school. Uh, And obviously I'm just joking and, and I hate to see them look the way that they did, but I'm frustrated. And the John, the thing I will say before we get out of this conversation is I think the fans are also getting frustrated. You know, you, you know me for a long time. I've been complaining about Mike Gundy's mindset for the last 10 years, essentially, like since 2011, to me, there's been a steady decline as far as Mike Gundy's intensity, right, and, and how intentional he is in recruiting. And with all the great facilities and all the things that they've done at Oklahoma State to help this football program and the brand rise, which it has, Gundy has not met that level of intensity that the university has put forward. And it's starting to show in the football field. They just don't have the talent. They don't have the players. And it looks like they're recruiting in the 40s or 50s or 60s. That's what that, that opponent looked like. And I promise you, about midway through the first quarter, Central Arkansas is out there going, "Well, hell, these guys aren't very good at all. Let's get out there and just give it our very best, you know." And then, and you saw four quarters of a of a close matchup. So I don't know what to expect at Oklahoma State. Everybody always say, you know, that old coach speak is the most improvement comes between week one and week two. Well, I don't know that Oklahoma State can improve enough in this one week that they're going to be anywhere near where they need to be or where they should be, considering everything they've done in the last ten years. I think this is probably a six-win team, seven maybe at best, and it's, it's super frustrating for me. I could
1: – Central Arkansas, Missouri State last year, Tulsa a couple of years ago in Stillwater, um, Oklahoma State uh, comes down to the fourth quarter and has to make a couple of plays here and there to, to keep from losing. It's happened. Um, I don't know the extent to which those Oklahoma State teams got better from that season opener. Most of them did, but should have been probably a lot better. What got me, and I watched a little bit, kept up with it a little bit in the press box from Norm and Sam, and that is the quarterback situation. Alan Bowman, who's got a lot of experience, um, you know, he does. He, he was at Michigan. It doesn't mean he was getting experience at Michigan. Obviously, he got beat out. But this is a quarterback who's been around the block. You know, Garrett Rangel last year got some experience. Uh, Gundy obviously has got a little bit of experience last year. Where was that – What that didn't look – it didn't look like it was showing itself at all by the quarterbacks. Um, the quarterback's the leader of your team, the spark of your offense, all that stuff. I didn't see that. Maybe I missed it, but I didn't see where the quarterback was was uh, going to be any kind of strong point that Mike Gundy and his team can count on this year.
0: Right. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think Rangel, probably the best option for them. I think the kid – I think the offensive line started super slow while he was in the game. I think that really probably led to some of the mistakes that were made on his part. There, I can't imagine anybody will start this game outside of him. And frankly, uh, if you're telling me we're going to see the musical chairs again against Arizona State, then I don't know what he's looking at. You know, and 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 like we know this, Gundy has struggled to evaluate quarterbacks forever. Like it's like a it's like a real issue for somebody that was a former elite quarterback. Which I will never understand why you can't evaluate quarterbacks better than he does. But it looked pretty simple to me. Uh, that that Rangel or Wrangell is is definitely the guy that is going to move forward for Oklahoma State. Hopefully, we don't see musical chairs. Arizona State is terrible. This is definitely one of the toilet bowls of week number two. Uh The team that survived this this one, good good for you. But it's it's not going to be fun to watch at all. And it's at nine thirty. You know I'm going to be half drunk by the time the game gets started. I mean it's. <laughs> I'm going to be fired up already. I'm going to have to put the whiskey down and maybe stick to strictly vodka to get, begin this one. Uh, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, I mean, I think Oklahoma State wins it. I think Arizona State is terrible, but I don't know, man. It's going to be tough.
1: What I agree, Arizona State. I got to say they they lost their bowl game this year. They're on probation. Herm Edwards was a disaster. They're in it to win it this year. They're every bowl game. Every game that they play is going to be a bowl game to them. But my question right. to you, Sam, is. What level of concern do you have that in 2021, summer 2021, when OU and Texas announced they were leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC, and there was a lot of talk immediately off the top about, well, this is a conference that Oklahoma State can run. Football-wise, right. this is a conference that this is OSU's chance to step up and and take this thing by the scruff of the neck. You think that's going to happen? You're talking about recruiting in the 40s and 50s and 60s.
0: Yeah, no, it's not. And it's a damn shame. It is. You know, I can't imagine that that's going to happen. It's unfortunate because you got a bunch of teams in this league uh, like Texas Tech. Um, you know, well, I don't know what happened in Waco. Both these teams have lost. But the mindset, it just feels like around the programs is we're going to go be great. And it's coming from the head coaches. It's coming from. The administrator. Both programs are dumping a bunch of money into into all the things you need to dump a bunch of money into, and then you add, you know, a BYU and a Utah that are coming in with the mindset of, you know, that's a great rivalry there. Those programs also have a bunch of money. Uh, BYU's got a national uh, uh, fan base, and will be able to recruit nationally like Notre Dame does. And now they're in a big time conference, it'll make it a little easier for them. I expect in the rise over the next five years, also. Uh, yeah, you would think that Gundy would be the guy, and you would think I believe, I truly believe that Chad Weiberg uh, and Casey Strum and all that that group there behind the football program are 100% committed to excellence. They want to see nothing but greatness from Oklahoma State. I just don't buy that their coach is of that mindset. I don't believe that Mike Gundy is focused the way that he should be to make those things happen. And it's and it's sad because they're gonna the window is essentially closed in my opinion. The window that was wide open in 2011 has slowly been closing for the last you know, 10, 12 years. I think it's closed right now, and now they're just kind of banging their heads against the wall as long as they've got this coach who just doesn't seem like he is as pistols-firing as everybody else is in Stillwater, right? That's the most committed, crazy, intense, rowdy, excited fan base. Oklahoma State's got 35,000 people that tailgate every single weekend. What? Like, they have all the things that you want if the people down in Norman wish they had a game day atmosphere yeah. like Oklahoma States. Right? They have all the things they need to put on a great performance, but a head coach that is focused in a way that would help them be more competitive, that will help them grow as a football program. And it's it's a shame to me. John, right, real quick, last thing, prime time. All right. Right? Yeah. I am absolutely blown away by Deion Sanders. And I don't know that he could have done this without the transfer portal, without NIL, without this pop culture transition in college football, where now, you know, before, you know, you go back 20, 30, 40 years, my dad's on the field of West Point, college football is Letterman sweaters, right? And the best and the brightest are playing it. And look at our, look at our fine young men And these, you know, these perfectly cut haircuts and just these, upstanding you know it's it was just that look that perfect um what's the word i'm looking for scholarly look of of college football in 2023 college football is is a semi-pro game and it's starting to mimic the nfl a little bit and now here comes prime time with this flash and this this attitude this intensity behind who he is as a as a football coach who he was as a player He's got his son, he's got Travis Hunter, who are two of the best players in the country right now. And Colorado showed up with intent to do damage to TCU. Colorado showed up not hoping they were going to play well in game number one. Colorado showed up knowing they were going to play well in game number one. And in the fourth quarter, on the road, where I promise you a whole lot of people are thinking, though no, this is it for Colorado. There's no way they can pull this out late. They're on the road. It's game number one. TCU's experience. They just play for a championship. Colorado is going to wilt here and sure, sure as hell primetime and that crew rose to the occasion and they closed out that game. I'm about excited about Colorado football as I've been in any program in the last 20 years of coloring college football. They're exciting. They're so much fun to watch. They've got great players. And this coach means every single word coming out of his mouth. And I just love it. It's a great look for college football. It's great for the sport. This is where I feel like coaches can learn from prime, right? Because you don't, You don't have to change these kids, right? you got to help them be better, there's no doubt, but you don't have to change them. I wish Mike Gundy would listen to this, right? You don't have to make them into what you think they should be. Let them be who they are. Let them rep their area codes and the places that they come from. This is what I love about Les Miles. He let me play like I was from Youngstown. He let me talk like I was from Youngstown. He embraced that mentality and let me be myself. A lot of coaches in college football don't do that. Dion's going to let you do that as long as your mindset is, I'm here to do two things. That's go to school and get paid, period. And if you have that mindset, you can go play for Colorado and Dion's going to help you be great. Les, Les let
1: you do that because he was coming in behind Bob Simmons and he was from Elyria, Ohio, and he knew that <laughs> if you could roll your sleeves up and double your fists and stomp your foot and, and be a badass at Oklahoma State coming from Ohio, if you had something going on. And he so that's made made a lot of sense for Les to let his uh, especially someone like yourself carry that yeah. kind of mindset. Um, yeah, Dion, I, I worry. You know, he's had some health issues and some injuries and things like that. Some surgeries. I'm worried he's gonna he's gonna pull something, patting himself on the back at, at, at the <laughs> beginning. <of it. laughs> he's go, he's he's taking it to another level. When, when it comes to saying, see, I told you, I told you, he, he goes and tells Ed Werder and the post-game press conference and whoever else that wanted to listen, I told you we were going to do this. It's one game. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a series. It's a 12 game series of sprints. It's not one sprint. It's 12 sprints. So there's, there's, this is a team that you you talk about 86 guys out of the transfer portal or 86 guys, not from the portal, but newcomers. That's so impressive. Because he he completely remade the roster, but again, to take a step back and take a bigger, bigger, broader view of the whole picture, <clears throat> TCU also remade its roster. TCU also lost some NFL guys and, and a Heisman finalist and some first round guys and some. So TCU's you know re, redoing the roster kind of like he is. So uh, TCU couldn't pull out the plays at the end of that game. What I like about it is Shador Sanders, uh, Dylan Edwards and Travis Hunter all three won individual national awards this week from the, you know the running back award the, the national player of the week award that's phenomenal you got you're showing some people right away we got some serious talent here in Boulder
0: no question John thank you so much for joining me in the trenches today i really appreciate it my friend uh, good luck with all your coverage this weekend. Check out John, publisher of allsooners.com. Their stuff is incredible. I get a lot of my information from All Sooners. You guys do a great job. And, man, I miss you. It it's good to talk to you. We, the Hoover and Mays show had a great run while it was on air there in Tulsa, and hopefully we'll be able to talk to you quite a bit this season.
1: We shook it up, Sam. I hope we can do it again soon.
0: Thank you so much, John. I appreciate it. This has been In the Trenches. Right. I'm Sam Mays. That's John Hoover. Uh, this is the Sellout Crowd Network. Check it out, selloutcrowd.com. All my colleagues do an excellent job. Coach Stoops is killing it right now. Listen, to Todd Lisenby and all those guys are doing a great job. We're looking forward to week two of college football. See you soon.